please know I am but a humble Ravenpuff and do not own or take credit for any of the magical fanfictions on this podcasting channel. Nor do I own any rights or magical say on J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter characters that are mentioned within these stories. These fanfictions are the result of much more creative and dedicated minds than my own, and I will be introducing these authors as well as where to find their other works at the beginning of every episode. Hello, my magical brethren, and welcome to Fox's Fix, a podcast that attempts the sonorous charm on some of your favorite Harry Potter fan fictions. So whether you're taking the night bus across town, denoming your garden, or simply shopping through Diagon Alley, this is a podcast that allows even the busiest witches and wizards a chance to listen to their favorite fan fiction. So I'd say it's time we take a page out of Fox's book and light up this week's fan fiction. Fox's Fix presents the unabridged audiobook of Isolation, written by Bex Chan and narrated by Fox's Fix. Bex Chan's novel-length fanfiction can be located on fanfiction.net as well as archiveofourown.org. Warning, this fanfiction is rated mature for its explicit language, content, and themes. Chapter 6. Tiles It was Thursday, or perhaps Friday? Draco wasn't sure. Time was slowly turning into an irrelevant and mumbled mess of forgotten hours and questionable days, and Granger's erratic patterns hardly helped. Draco had no idea where she slipped off to in the evenings, but he was willing to bet it was either the library or the Gryffindor common room. I mean, where else would she go? Headgirl privileges aside, He doubted she would be foolish enough to trapeze aimlessly around the grounds, with no purpose or point. Wherever she wandered, she would always return before three in the morning, and he honestly just stopped trying to sleep through it. Her movements always stirred him, so he'd just given up and simply started waiting until she got home to even attempt sleep. He still found himself rousing for her morning showers, though. Draco had tried to resist this morning knowing that his actions were completely insane and somewhat disturbing. But his headache had just gotten worse and worse, and the noises she was making was like a drug, and a very effective one at that. With just a few of her shower sounds, the aching in his temple would recede. He yielded to the craving eventually, and that's where his morning found him now, slumped into his usual spot, and sacrificing his dignity for his bathroom moan fix. Merlin knew he tried to resist, but he just couldn't help it. He was an addict, and he despised it. He shot to his feet as he heard her shower die, and suddenly he was in the mood to scream at the mudblood until she was either weeping or torturing him with her wand. Granger was the only thing in this prison that was temperamental, She was the only thing that could change and breathe and pulse. She continued to play civil with him for the last few days, and he'd honestly missed their arguments, missed the blood rushing to his head and fingertips. He ached for that fire that stirred his witty temper and yearned to see her flushed and contemplating a powerful comeback. He needed to know that he could still do Salazar proud and make the mud bitch squirm. He understood agitated Granger. She was normal, but he was becoming far too accustomed to shower Granger and her morning songs. 
That needed to change. He shrugged on his black jumper and slipped out of his room as quietly as he could, stopping by the bathroom door and watching the handle too intently. He could hear her bare feet paddling around against the tile floor, and he tried to think of a topic for their argument. Screw it. I'll just wing it. The brass doorknob rattled, and he felt the excitement begin to tease his senses, adrenaline tickling his gut with the promise of a good fight. The door opened, and he burst in before she could leave, purposely trapping her in the bathroom. The shock was wild against her features, and she stumbled away from him, sliding over the damp ceramics and losing her balance. It was only instinctive to reach out and attempt to steady her, just a reflex, nothing more. But his own bearings were compromised as he did so, and in a heartbeat, they were both sprawled across the bathroom floor in a shallow puddle of water, skidding in opposite directions. Him thracking his head against the doorframe, and with her stopping just short of the bathtub. What the hell are you doing, Malfoy? Hermione panted, catching her startled breath. You scared me half to death. Bloody hell, he mumbled, sucking the air through his teeth as he touched the back of his head. You clumsy little bitch. You grabbed me, she protested, ensuring she was appropriately covered by her fluffy robe. What in Merlin's name are you doing in here? You woke me up, he lied, flinching when he noticed some blood staining his fingertips. Fucking hell, Granger. Jumpy much? Well, I don't normally get attacked when I'm leaving the shower, she huffed angrily, trying to lean back on her heels unsuccessfully. What is your problem? You, he thought. He was suddenly aware of how strong her scent was in here, fresh and thick amongst the lingering steam. He couldn't help but take a deep breath, hoping to her it looked more like he was trying to control his anger. But fuck was it intoxicating. It coiled itself around his tongue, and he could actually taste it. But the cherry tang reminded him who it belonged to. Draco growled. I don't have a problem. Then what the hell did you grab me for? She questioned hotly. Merlin, you are such a prick. This is your fault, he argued, although he wondered just how threatening he could be, crumpled and damp on her bathroom floor. You're the one who fell. Because you scared me, she repeated, giving into her childish urge to palm some water and splash him with it. She somehow managed to catch his face and she couldn't stop her chuckle as a droplet fell from his arched eyebrow. Ugh, you Gryffindors are so mature, he drawled with perfect sarcasm. It's really pathetic. Oh, shut it, she grumbled, clamoring to her feet with a little difficulty. On shaky legs, she shot him a harsh scowl and tried to make for her exit. But a set of long fingers snagged her ankle, and she fell hard against the bathroom floor again landing in an awkward position that made her tailbone buzz. She whined in pain and cradled her back, snapping her eyes open just to catch Malfoy's smug smirk. And that's mature? She hissed, stuttering on another groan. I don't give a shit, he snorted, but his arrogant expression melted when she flicked some more water onto his face. She smirked back at him then, too lost in the surreal situation to resist. Hermione couldn't remember exactly how the almost juvenile water fight had started, 
but she imagined it would be rather a bizarre spectacle to walk in on. Draco furrowed his brow as he absorbed Granger's amused grin, and while the new bow of her lips suited her well, it was rather unnerving. It was like she had stumbled across one of his secrets and was just waiting for the right time to throw it back in his face. He schooled his features back into his comfortable frown and decided he had allowed this to go on for far too long. Granger, stop being such a... You're bleeding, she interrupted, and his scowl hardened when she slid a little closer to him. Right there, by your ear. And, he prompted, watching her every move as she continued to shuffle closer to him. What the hell are you doing? Just let me have a look, she muttered, taking a final undignified tumble to kneel at his side. Her breath was warm against his ear, and he tried to flinch away. Hold still, she demanded firmly, reaching into her robe pocket to withdraw her wand. Just let me heal this. I don't want you bleeding all over my dorm. Draco stiffened, but remained still as he felt the prickling magic soothe the small cut. Or maybe it was her breath. He honestly had no idea. Either way, the sensation was pleasant and it had felt like forever since he had had the comfortable lick of magic against his skin. But then, it had been so much longer since he had felt something like her fingers against his neck, delicate and completely innocent. His lids lowered a little, and he inhaled again to steal some more of the drugging aroma. All it would take was one of her shower sounds, and his senses would cease to cope in that moment. There. Hermione sighed, pulling away from him to inspect her work. That's better. Does it feel okay? His Slytherin instincts floored into his mind like a defense mechanism, warning him that she was far too close. She was doing it again, screwing with his head with gestures of kindness, and he refused to believe that she didn't have an ulterior motive behind it. Nobody could be that pure in the current climate, and it's not paranoia when you're on the enemy's territory. Get away from me, he snarled, pushing her away. I told you not to touch me. But I was just... I said, don't sodding touch me, Draco yelled, rising to his feet so quickly it made his head spin. He fired his glare back in her direction, ready to spit the things he had planned to say before. But his voice hitched. Her robe had ridden up on her thighs from his shove, and it had also drooped to reveal one creamy shoulder with a spatter of freckles that looked so deliciously like grated chocolate. Her sodden curls were slicked against her throat, and the edges of her face were stretched like toffee, and every inch of her exposed skin was tinted with a rosy musk. She looked completely different in the afterglow of her shower, more animated, and yet still ridiculously innocent in her oversized robe. It was... Appealing? Fuck this, he grumbled to himself, turning on his heel and stalking out of the bathroom to leave behind a very confused witch. Hermione blinked as the remains of his shadow abandoned her on the cold floor, leaving her brain to stew over what exactly just happened. Malfoy's behavior had become less and less aggressive with each day that passed, proof that her mother's advice was sometimes worthwhile. Acting civil had clearly been the right way to go, and now he was simply snappy and bitter. 
but she couldn't decide if he was simply losing the will to fight or adjusting to his predicament, adjusting to her. She hoped it was the latter. Hermione found herself stifling a giggle as an image of the ever-graceful Malfoy slipping to her bathroom floor stole her mind. As much as she respected Professor Flitwick, she had mastered the Engorgio charm a few months ago, so her concentration had naturally started to sway. The morning had made her realize that her blonde house guest was nowhere near as threatening as he had initially been, and she couldn't help but find that transformation a little intriguing. Don't get me wrong, he was still a git of epic proportions, yet his temper had started to simmer, and although it was barely noticeable, it was still there, etched into his pale features and hardening his posture. However, the rage and fire that was always so present when he screamed at her had faded, and she had a feeling that he simply picked fights with her now out of principle and routine. Then again, that might just be her inner optimist, but she couldn't help but think his earlier smirk in the bathroom was a good sign. You're looking a bit more relaxed today, Neville commented, making Hermione jump. Good news? No, she shook her head, feeling a little guilty. I just had a good night's sleep is all, but Harry should be sending me an owl soon. I'll let you know when he does. Thanks, Hermione. Neville smiled attempting again to enlarge the figurine he had been given in class. She watched him with a distant fondness as the minutes ticked away. It was the last lesson of the day, and the mention of Harry and Ron had roused her determination to stick her nose in a book and help with their task. So when Flitwick dismissed the class, she offered Neville a quick nod before she darted for the door, ready to start her reading but a familiar face in the corridor paused her footfalls, and she felt dread seize in her chest as she took in the headmistress's dire expression. Miss Granger? The boys? Hermione blurted, her eyes going wide. Are Harry and Ron okay? Mr. Potter and Mr. Weasley are fine, the professor assured, and the younger witch released a shaky breath. However, I do come with bad news. Hermione noted that the woman's face was worryingly reminiscent of how it had been at Dumbledore's funeral, and she nervously edged a little closer, blocking out the sounds of students returning to their dorms. What is it? Hermione asked quietly. Is everyone okay? Hermione, I think it would be best if we discuss this in my office. Draco was sat on the kitchen counter again, tapping his index finger in time with the ticks of the clock. The minute hand had just twitched to three minutes past six, and Draco eyed the clock suspiciously. Surely the contraption must have malfunctioned. But then, that was almost impossible for magical clocks. Yet the prospect of Granger being late was even more unfathomable. He'd finished the vegetable broth she'd left him a good hour ago, anticipating her return as he plotted to set right his mishap from this morning. He still couldn't believe how he'd acted, like some idiotic child finding amusement in rain puddles. 
Was it any wonder she was beginning to relax in his presence when he was behaving so foolishly? Well, it had to be rectified. Knowing Gryffindors and their fetish for friendships, this would only encourage Granger to be more civil towards him. She was a mudblood, and imprisoned or not, he was superior. She needed a reminder of that. She needed to remember that she was below him. Figuratively, of course. Well, that had been the plan, but she was now over an hour late. If he could think of one positive trait to associate with Granger, aside from her pesky intellect, it would be her ability to always remain punctual. He hated people who were always late and disorganized. So just where the hell was she? The dorm was starting to feel eerie with her absence, and he wondered again if this would constitute his paranoia. The air felt humid, and he would swear her aroma was starting to fade. And for reasons he refused to broach at this moment, he did not like that idea. He was contemplating a shower to chase away his sudden anxiety when the door finally clicked open. And where the fuck have you been? Draco demanded, hopping off the counter like a pouncing wolf. But she didn't even look at him. Hey, Granger, I am talking to you. But still, nothing. An agitated snarl rumbled behind his tonsils as he advanced on her, cocking an eyebrow when he noticed the defeated fall of her shoulders. The angle of her body and her treacle-tinted locks covered most of her face and he tried to maneuver himself to get a better look, realizing then that the witch was trembling. He subconsciously slowed his steps when he heard a throaty breath escape her mouth, not quite a sob, but close. He paused, a few strides short of her, transfixed, when the light caught two little droplets that fell from a veil of curls. Tears. He hadn't expected this. Draco blinked and silently scolded himself. Here he was again, faltering like some feckless moron. He remembered a time when seeing the mudblood Granger cry would have caused him nothing but pleasure and desperately wanted to relive that. He needed to relive that or he would completely lose himself. I asked you a question, Granger. He continued sharply, scolding when she flinched at his voice. Why the hell are you late? Now is not the time, Hermione mumbled, keeping her face hidden. Just leave me alone. I don't care if the time is not appropriate for you, Draco countered quickly, blocking her as she tried to move past him. I asked you a question. Malfoy, stop she said, turning away from him before he could glance at her face. Just let me through. Why the tears, Granger? He asked, deciding some mockery might go to satisfying reaction from her. Weasley fucking brown again. Just leave me alone. She gargled, her voice heavy with trapped sobs. Please, Malfoy. Please just leave me alone. No, he sneered although her pleas had been a little off-putting. What are you crying about? You look bloody pitiful. Malfoy, answer me. 
No, just leave me alone, she screamed, her head snapping up to look at him. His lips twitched as he examined her features. Her cheeks were smeared with tears and her eyes beaten and bloodshot. Her leaking stare was distant and pleading, and his concentration fell to her quivering lips, slightly parted to reveal a line of dents from where she must have chewed the lower one to ruin. It was odd to view her like this. She was renowned for being the collected member of the Twatty Trio, but she was suddenly so fragile, vulnerable. Draco knew he should have relished it. It should have made him feel victorious and provided him with a beautiful opportunity and inspiration to ridicule her, but it didn't. Instead, he found the scene quite unsettling. She took advantage of his confusion and brushed past him, evidently an attempt to lock herself away in her room and ride out her grief in peace. But he wasn't willing to drop it. He had no idea if it was to continue his aimless taunts or feed his own curiosity, but they were most certainly not finished with this discussion. I am not done with you, Draco shouted, marching ahead of her to block her door. I said, I'm not done. Well, I am done. She hurled back, choking on a strangled cry. Why the hell can't you just leave me alone? Because I like watching you beg, Draco told her quietly, darkly. Answer my question. I won't tell you again, Malfoy, she warned although her current state didn't give much of a threat to her usual flair. Move, or I will make you move. Go ahead, he challenged, snatching her wrist before she could rummage in her pocket. Not so fucking mouthy without your wand, are you? Let me go, she sputtered, unsuccessfully trying to reach her wand with her other hand. You can't use my wand anyway, it's charmed. I guessed as much. He hushed her, twisting her arm at an awkward angle to earn her a small yelp. Now, tell me, why the hell are you crying? But in that moment, he'd forgotten her other arm. Stupid mistake, really, considering the history between his face and her fist. She spun her petite form quickly and managed to catch his jaw. Not particularly hard, but enough to make him stagger back and release her. With a swish of her robes, her wand was out and firing a hex into his chest that sent him flying backwards to land in the bathroom, punctuating his fall with a loud smack that echoed across the tiles. The wind was knocked out of him and his ribs ached from the hit, but he slowly raised his dizzying head to steady her. His ashy eyes flashed open to find her waiting by the doorframe, her anger only slightly clouded by the mist of her tears. The witch's body was quaking more violently now, her muscles seizing up and her erratic breaths were leaving her mouth in loud bursts. Draco was disoriented from her spell, and he blamed that for the random thought that crossed his mind next. But she never looked more alive than in that moment. You slimy bastard! I told you to leave me alone! She shouted and he could see that she was allowing her emotions to ride her. He knew he pushed her too far, 
and it was so glaringly obvious in her enraged stance and the uncontrollable spark in her glare. She was just one snarky comment away from bursting at the seams, and every instinct in him was screaming at him to heed the foreboding angle of her wand. But his inner Slytherin reminded him of his pathetic and laughable behavior towards Granger in the last few days, and the familiar insult just stumbled out of his mouth. Filthy fucking mudblood. Something snapped within her. Draco actually saw it. The flicker of something dark danced in her eyes. Something almost feral. He tried to shift, but another wave of nausea from Granger's attack flushed his brain, and he had to squint his eyes to try and focus on her. Mudblood, she repeated in a husky hum, raising her wand slightly. Draco spat out a startled grunt as she stabbed her own palm with the tip of her wand, dragging it across her flesh to create a thin red slit. She stalked into the bathroom then, nearing him, displaying her fresh wound. He watched with morbid fascination as the ribbon of blood glided down her middle finger and two ruby pearls rained down to splat against the ivory floor by his feet. You find this filthy? Hermione questioned with a wavering tone, crouching down so that she was at his eye level. You think my blood is filthy? Granger, he warned. Do you? The witch yelled, leaning forward to snatch his hand. What the hell are you doing? He asked, accepting that he was starting to panic in response to her dubious movements. Granger, what the fuck are you doing? She then quickly drew a similar slice down his own hand, and a combination of his shock and still sluggish reflexes didn't allow him to interfere as she slammed their palms together with a wet slap. There, Hermione spat, holding their twisted and sticky handshake firm as she spoke. Now your blood's filthy too. Strength surged into his muscles with welcoming heat, and it went straight to his arms, tearing his seeping hand away from her grasp and throwing her away from him. She screeched across the floor, much like she had this morning, but he was too busy staring at his red-stained skin to note the irony. The worst thing was, he couldn't distinguish her blood from his own. It was, it was all the same shade, and he had no idea what that meant. Draco's wide and disturbed gaze slowly wandered over to Hermione to find her staring at him, her expression horrified and stunned. The ominous edge that had marred her features was now gone, and her familiar innocence was back in place. Both of them were breathing heavily, and the sounds ricocheted between them as he tried to regain his wits. But there were too many emotions swimming under his skin. Anger. Mortification. Confusion. And it was just too much to absorb. So he simply sat there, frozen to the spot with their eyes linked and their chests heaving. The scene was so oddly reminiscent of their strange morning, but the differences were significant. There were no playful smirks or childish splashes, just them and the blood. He could feel the metallic tang invading his nostrils, and suddenly, he missed Granger's natural taste. Oh my god, she gasped, her movements jerky as she leaned on her knees. Oh my god, Malfoy, I'm so sorry. Don't come near me, he growled, 
pressing his back hard against the wall as she crawled towards him. Don't fucking touch me, you crazy bitch. I I can't believe I did that. Here, let me see your hand. She stuttered sadly, with fresh tears glossing her cheeks and lips. What have you done? He mumbled, glancing down at his wound for a moment before he roughly pulled himself to his feet. What the fuck have you done? I don't know, Hermione whined loudly, shrinking away from him as he stormed past her. Where are you going? Away from you. He snapped as he stormed out of the room, pausing outside the door to give her a final glare. Don't come within an inch of me. Malfoy, please let me explain, she blurted, but he'd already disappeared. All she got was the bitter clap of a slammed door. Her body was shaking violently, bordering on convulsing as she coughed up her cries. Curling herself into a tight ball, her moans and anguished whimpers were barely muffled as she buried her face into her palms. She let it all go, sobbing until her gut physically burned, and then she cried some more. On the other side of the wall, Draco settled himself on his bed and listened intently to her grief. Sweet Merlin, he missed her calming shower sighs. He examined his messy hand with a scowl, searching again for any possible indication that their blood was different. But there was nothing. Same color, same texture, just the same. I shouldn't have goaded her. He shuddered his eyes, wondering why the hell he suddenly felt so guilty. He should have been roaring with rage and scheming to cause her pain in return for what she had done. But all he could do was question what had made her snap in the first place. He wanted to despise her, to charge back in there and bask in her distress. But he didn't. And he realized he didn't hate her. Hermione had no idea how long it took for her cries to subside, but she could safely assume it had been at least three hours. All of Hogwarts' background noise had fizzled out, and her dorm was definitely darker. Her eyes fell to her normally pristine tiles, frowning as she studied the telling red smears scattered around her. The crimson fingerprints held her attention for a moment, reminding her of poppy petals in the snow. They were Draco's fingerprints. She would probably never know why, but she was desperate to apologize to him and try to rationalize her actions. She was just so angry at herself for taking things out on him and for losing her head. She was supposed to be the sensible one among her friends, the voice of reason, and look what she'd done. Her puffy eyes turned to inspect the slash from her ring finger to her thumb, and she noticed the blood had already started to coagulate. She realized then that at no point had her self-inflected gash caused her any pain. But she couldn't help but wonder if Malfoy's hurt. Tucking her teeth into her bottom lip, she forced her hand to remain steady as she healed the damage. A couple of whispered incantations later, and the bathroom looked completely normal, save for the broken witch in the center. She stayed still for a couple of stolen minutes, 
desperately trying to summon the scattered remains of her dignity and her courage. She needed to see him. She needed to explain. Using the sink for support, she dragged herself off the floor and clumsily left the cold tiles on wobbly legs and a pang in her chest. She swallowed her nervous lump away as she faced his door, slowly bringing up her hand to drum her knuckles softly against the wood. Malfoy, she called. Can I come in, please? I told you not to come near me, came a gruff response, but she'd expected that, and she refused to be deterred. Alohomora, she mumbled, taking a deep breath before she pushed open the door. She edged into his room anxiously, her damp gaze finding him sitting upright on his bed and looking so much calmer than she'd expected. Malfoy? I thought I made it quite clear I did not want you here. He interrupted evenly, with a dangerously low and smooth voice. I know, Hermione murmured, taking some more steps towards him, but I need to explain. Get out he demanded, not once looking at her. I don't want you near me. Malfoy, please, she begged, tossing her pride to the wind. She screwed up, and he had every right to know why. My my blood won't actually stay in your veins. Your system will have already... I am perfectly aware of how my anatomy works, Granger, he drawled, and she saw how tense his jawline was. Leave. Merlin only knew why she decided that crawling onto his bed would work in her favor, but some part of her had seemed to think that if she was closer, he would be more likely to listen. He finally fired his steel-silver eyes in her direction, but still, there was no sign of the contempt that she'd been prepared for. He simply looked at her like he'd never seen her before, and for some reason, that bothered her more. Draco had no idea how to act in her presence. Every cell in his muddled brain was telling him to grab her and dump her outside of his room and repeat it until she got the point. But his confusion had somehow beaten his fury, and he needed to know why she'd done it. He knew enough about biology to acknowledge that her muggle blood wasn't infecting him, but that wasn't the problem. It was her. He would swear that he could feel her in his system dancing in his veins and affecting his mind. And that was the problem. I'm so sorry, Draco, she sputtered, drawing his attention back to her. I really am. I'm just, I'm just so sorry. There were two things that made him flinch. The first was her use of his given name. And the second was her practically gushing her apology. He quickly scanned her features, finding only sincerity and that was strangely refreshing when compared to her earlier emotions, the emotions that had led to all of this. I, I found out that Professor Burbage was killed today, she revealed carefully, and he could see that she was trying to resist the new batch of tears behind her almond eyes. She was killed by Voldemort. Draco blinked. Her outburst made sense now, but he hadn't heard that name since Snape had abandoned him here. He realized then, for the first time, that he couldn't consider her an enemy. It just simply didn't make sense when the same creature wanted them both dead. No, 
not enemies, but certainly not allies either, just somewhere in between. She was a friend, Hermione continued with a slight sniffle. And when you said those words, I just, I just took it out on you, and that wasn't fair. Draco remained silent because he had no idea what else he could do. The temptation to yell at her for being so stupid was there, but it wasn't pushing through. That infuriating guilt just wouldn't budge, and an annoying little voice in his head kept telling him that he should never have taunted her in the first place. Ugh, since when did Granger become a factor of his flimsy conscience? If he had to guess, he would venture around the time that she started leaving him meals. I'm so sorry, Hermione said again alongside a lonely and stubborn tear that slipped past her lashes. I promise I will never do anything like that again. He regarded her, feeling her honesty wash over him like a sedative. He took a deep breath and ignored the urge to sigh when her scent settled back into his sinuses. It was a little salty with the influence of her tears, but it was still undeniably hers. He didn't want to shout at her, It didn't feel right when she looked so vulnerable. He would overanalyze that decision later, but he just couldn't do it right now. Please say something, Hermione implored, leaning a little closer. Anything. He chewed the inside of his mouth and arched an eyebrow. If you ever do anything like this again, Draco started, enunciating each syllable crisply, you will regret it. The specifics weren't necessary. He could tell she knew he meant it. Okay, she nodded numbly. I won't be in here forever, Granger, he told her. And I will remember everything you do. Do I make myself clear? Yes, Hermione whispered, looking more relieved than he would like. I really am sorry. I got that. Draco stopped her with a roll of his eyes. Now leave me alone. Hermione didn't move. Does it hurt? She asked, timidly gesturing to his injured palm. No. Let me clean it, she requested, extending her arm to offer her own hand. It will just take a second. I can clean it myself. Please. She cut him off, earning a frustrated sigh from the pale wizard. It's best if I heal it and fucking fine he growled, thrusting his hand into hers and reasoning that he would probably make her leave faster if she did it. Hurry the hell up, Granger. Hermione anxiously licked her lips before she angled her wand, gliding it over the gash that she had caused. It would take a couple of minutes, she realized, and the silence was just too heavy for her. She raised her eyes to watch his face but his harsh glare made them wander to the rather large pile of books on his bedside table. You've read that many already? She questioned, her brow creased with interest. I just skimmed them. I've read them all before, he revealed in a reluctant grumble. I'm not surprised. There are old textbooks, she said, her voice still uneasy and laced with nerves. From our previous years, yes, I noticed. Then why do you read them? There's hardly a wide variety of activity options, Granger. Draco scowled at her, 
Realizing then that he was effectively holding hands with Granger on his bed, he needed to get away from her. Now. Hurry the hell up, he spat. I'm almost done, she muttered, stroking the tip of her wand over the final specks of blood on his palm. There. Is that okay? He quickly ripped his hand out of her dainty fingers and checked his hand before he nodded his head towards the door. Piss off, Granger. Her honeyed gaze drifted over the mountain of books again, and she parted her lips to say something. But, whatever it was, her Gryffindor courage had clearly gone dry for the night, and she clumsily left his bed and shuffled out of his room. Only when his door was securely closed did he allow himself to exhale, massaging the bridge of his nose and replaying the odd events of the last few hours back in his head. If Ever, there was a sure sign that this place was starting to affect his sanity. Today had definitely been it. He looked down and ghosted his fingers across his freshly healed skin, finding no evidence that she had ever torn open his flesh. He was adamant he could feel her, though, coursing through his bloodstream, and he blamed the invisible flames of her essence for his inability to catch sleep until dawn broke. When he roused at some point in the early afternoon the next day, he did as he always did, dressed in the usual clothes and headed into the kitchenette to see what Granger had left him to eat that day. Cottage pie, one of his favorites. And next to the steaming pot was a peculiar stack of books, none of which he had ever seen before. This has been an unabridged audio chapter of Isolation, written by Bex Chan and narrated by Fox's Fix. A special thank you goes out to Bex Chan for allowing me the privilege to read her story. To recommend your favorite Harry Potter fanfiction for future audiobook episodes, please visit Fox Fix Facebook page and Instagram through the links located in our description below. You can also help support us with donations through our PayPal account to help produce and shape in our future narrated fanfictions. Thank you for listening. Please join us next week for a continuation of this magical fanfiction. See you then!